welcome to another episode of How Are You Holding Up? A mental health podcast by the depressed for the depressed. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Chris. And today we have a special guest. Me, new, again, new hologram. <laughs> welcome we've back, new. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, welcome back. <laughs> we've, we've had new on a few times before, and I highly recommend those episodes. They're really interesting. Uh, that new is a more or less, uh, well, how do we put this? You are now an expert on <laughs> what it's like to go through, uh, like chronic illness. Yeah. And often, and how that affects your mental health and yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So Um, you are definitely someone who can speak to this. And today we are going to be discussing something that you went through, uh, last year, right? Mm-hmm. Ketamine. Ketamine. (laughs) Ketamine as a treatment. Ketamine. I, I know I have like, even on Facebook, maybe just because I look up like depression stuff, but Ketamine is being used as um, something not just as a crazy party drug, but now actually being used Mm -hmm. for actual health and help and um, as an antidepressant. Some people are saying that it works for that. So we actually have our amazing new hollow here talking about it because you experienced it, right? Yeah. So uh, – should I just start at the beginning? Are we doing the? Are we doing the? How are you holding up? Where Where do we go? <laughs> There's so much to say. <laughs> I have well, notes here, so I stay on topic. But <laughs> that is totally fair. Uh, you know what? I yeah. You know what? I think that is a good thing. We should start with is new. How are you holding up? Um, I am coming out of a depressive relapse that had been probably building up since August 2020, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm I'm so used to managing it that like usually it's like you know before my period, it's really bad, and then as soon as my period comes, I'm like, okay, I know that that was just my brain being crazy brain because of the hormones or whatever, and then I can get back on my feet. But it's just like as the months went by, it was just like more and more and more and more, and it was getting harder for me to like cope and to manage it and shit. And then finally last weekend, it just like completely hit me like a truck and it's like I get to the point where I stop caring about myself because I can't stand myself and I feel nothing but shame and embarrassment when I look at like my life and like all the things that I've done or tried to do and I it's like it gets to the point where I can't look at myself in the mirror or anything like that because I'm just like Ugh, and I'm like what a what a dumbass who is this idiot like gross yeah and even when I'm at that point, I'm still pretty like, quote unquote, high functioning, like I can stay busy and work on my shit. Um, even when I feel like nothing I do has any value anyway. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I when I'm at that point, and I don't care about myself, I still am like, okay, I don't care about me. It's all that's all just whatever. But at least I care about my cats. And they are important to me. So at least, you know, if I can stay alive for them, then that's enough. And that's the point that I get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like what I'm realizing, what I what what I already knew is like this is my baseline. This has been my baseline since I was a kid. I remember being in so much emotional and mental pain and not wanting to live on this earth and this human life that I inherited without my consent. Like I don't I didn't consent to any of the shit that I have to 
to deal with as a human, but at least I had my cats. And at least I had my my coping and my maladaptive daydreaming, all the things that I did to keep my head above water. It's like when I go under again, it's like, holy shit, I lived that way my whole life. And it really shows how far I've come that I can have that comparison now. Man, if you guys can have an animal, I think we all recommend Mm -hmm. having an animal. If you have depression, truly. I know not everybody's animal lovers, but if you are, and there's any way you can have a cat or a dog or a hamster, lizard, anything, just get one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I am somebody who grew up having pets. And so as a result, I'm not a huge pet person because I was overwhelmed from an early Mm -hmm. age. (laughs) Uh, But after a while of not having one, I still like, I still finally came to a point of like, I need an animal in my life. And I got one, but having something, anything to like, remember why you keep going, Mm -hmm. it it really helps. Like, if it's your cats, if it's your work, if it's, you know, just out of spite, even. Yeah, (laughs) sometimes that's really all we need. I'm sorry that you're going through this right now, now. Thanks. You know, it's better now. Now I'm just like kind of, you know, wobbly on my feet, like getting back, getting back up from it. And at least, you know, I I have so much to like bury my head in when I get this way. And it's when I can't even do that stuff. That's when I know I'm bad because if I can't be working on stuff, then I feel like I'm a complete waste and I never should have been born. It's that kind of like... And it's so stupid. I like think all these mean things and I'm like, why? Why am I so mean to myself? And then it, it, I can't help it, you know? It's like reflections of what people have said to you or what yeah, you thought exactly. they were saying to you back in the past. Yeah. I was thinking mm-hmm. about how I had a best friend in, in like high school who who was always like, you're not special. Like, no, that's dumb. That's ugly. Your belly's hanging out. Your your smile's weird. You have an ugly laugh. Ugh, your eyebrows. Ugh, the, constantly. Jesus. And that thing went – that went on since um, since kindergarten from everyone, everyone, because I was always a weird, frumpy, you know, strange kid who didn't understand social rules. And so there was always something to pick apart about me. And as an adult, I'm so – hyper aware of everything I do and say and I'm always embarrassing myself and like I'll go home from work and be like oh my god everyone thinks I'm so weird and sometimes I don't care and but when I'm in a bad state I do and it really hurts it hurts me I would like to say uh, somebody who has worked with you uh, I think everyone has always spoken extremely highly of you and is often mm-hmm. described to other people who are new as, oh, yeah, New Hollow, she's like a little fairy. She's just wonderful. So just so you know, that's what I hear. I've never heard anybody be like, oh, a weirdo, you know, ever. Mm-hmm. Ever. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, so at least there's always that. And yeah, yeah, I mean, considering, like, when you and I met in high school, like, our literal intro to each other was more or less just high-fiving each other randomly. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I was like, yep, good highlight of my day. Boom, high five. <laughs> I remember. Those were good days. But <laughs> Chris, how so, are you holding so, up? Uh, yeah. Oh, oh boy. Uh, so I, uh, I am now three days without any antidepressants in my body. 
Wow. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, I weaned myself off over the last two or three weeks from 150 milligrams of, uh, of Effexor down to 75, down to 35.5 or whatever the fuck. 34.5. Uh, I whatever it was. Anyway, now I'm now I'm down to nothing except my ADHD meds and other, you know, health related medications. Uh my brain doesn't know what to do with itself. Like, do you feel I feel glad that you're off fuzzy. Of it so far? Fuzzy. Okay, yeah. I I definitely feel I feel glad because I can actually feel things, which is yeah. cool. Um, I needed what the effects are gave me, which was that feeling of numbness. I yes. needed that for a while. Yes. Because it helped me kind of set my own standard of existence. Uh, I'm still in that standard, that state of nothing really particularly matters. Um, I'm just doing things to do things. But in a way, that's kind of where I need to be right now, I think. Uh, until I find something that gives me, you know, more purpose or more reason to exist. Yeah, it's it's not the easiest sensation, but it's uh, it's it's definitely better than solidly, you know, hating myself or not feeling anything at all. Hmm. Uh, you mentioned but something I guess interesting we will to me. Stay tuned. You said mm. um, you've noticed that your your verbiage. And your words are yeah. coming back to you. Yeah, uh, that was a side effect that I didn't even think about or like realize until it was uh, happening. But I, uh, I, I, I'm sure people did notice. Uh, nobody said anything particularly. It wasn't until I noticed that people were like, "Oh yeah, huh." But uh, when I was in my my numb state of being, my complete and total like checkout of reality and just exist as a meat popsicle, um, I would not elaborate. I would not go into detail. I would not go into my usual verb like verbose manner of speaking. I would pick comfortable, easy words, and I would never go for my usual flair for the dramatic kind of over the topness it was very much based on yeah i'm just trying to get the idea across i do not care about being interesting yeah and the lower my dosage was on the effectser the more i kind of broke out of that and was i was actively trying to be more outgoing and personable again <laughs> which was kind of fun i mean i'm still you know it's still covid time so i'm not like you know going out to parties and shit but mm -hmm. i'm right. at least like i'm trying to spend more time around people yeah which is it's good ish i think i think it's I good <laughs> yeah yay that's good baby steps yeah. No, the baby steps are coming back for, like, remembering what it was like to be a human being. Mm -hmm. 
because uh, I don't know, I'm still not there yet, but I'm at least trying, which is better than I can say I've been doing. So that's that's where I've been. Linz, how are you holding up? Um, okay. <laughs> so. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, we're recording this on Valentine's Day. I'm okay. I'm, I think I'm depressed. I think it's, but it's like that crappy, really low level, barely noticeable, just like suddenly things just quite aren't quite as enjoyable. You're not connecting with people quite as deeply. You're not as inspired. Um, and that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, things are hurting a little bit more than usual. Weird, sad memories keep popping up. So having to be really mindful of how I am talking to myself and how I am expressing yeah. to other people. I've been on a really hard project. Um, it's probably the hardest project I've ever been on at this company. And um, I noticed something interesting. I've been re- researching a lot about ADHD and I had a really hard time um regulating my tone of voice and my expression because I was focusing on so many different moving parts that were um, pretty Mm -hmm. intricate and needing of detail that when somebody would ask me a question while I was in the middle of that, I would sound much meaner than I meant to. I had to do a lot of apologizing last week. So that's where I am. (laughs) Oh, I feel that. I feel that so much. And apparently that has to do with like ADHD with when you're hyper focusing, like you can have a hard time. You can get like way over the top excited about stuff and you uh-huh. can have a hard time even just like mean sounding the way you mean to sound. So mm-hmm. that's something. Yeah. Eventually we're going to talk about for uh, specifically more of women and ADHD in the future. It'll be, it'll be good, but mm-hmm. for the topic this week. Yes. Let's talk about. Let's start from the beginning. What is ketamine? A drug. Yes. Good. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it is, I... <laughs> Yeah. It, I mean, okay. So, I mean, it, for the most part, if you hear the word ketamine and you've, you know, never heard it in a medicinal context, you just know that it's like, it's a club drug, special K, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. that's, that's pretty much like the base knowledge but yeah, i remember there's like, been a lot of yeah people like telling me how they would trip really badly on it and what they would do and like oh, special k and it's a horse tranquilizer and so i felt a lot of horror when i found out that k ketamine was being used for people with depression <laughs> and um and other ailments <laughs> And so, and then like as more information came out and then Lindsay, you like talked to me about your experiences. I just think it's so exciting mm-hmm. that we get to finally talk to somebody who has experienced it on our podcast. Yeah. So I had um, learned about it years before because I'd watched like uh, YouTube, like vlogs or even documentaries about, oh, there's, you know, ketamine has always been used for this and this and it's also a party drug. But now they figured out that it's really great for depression and even chronic pain, PTSD, all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, but that sounds scary. Like, I don't know. And I also like it wasn't really available for me at the time. Yeah. And then um, so from... I think around at the end of 2019, I started having really bad flare-ups like back-to-back that would not stop. 
and I was really, really sick, and my neurological symptoms were just out of control. And, uh, oh, by the way, for, for people who haven't watched uh, or listened to my other episodes, um, my diagnoses are uh, ulcerative colitis, which is an inflammatory bowel disease. I have fibromyalgia. I have myalgic encephalomyelitis, which is chronic fatigue syndrome. And I have type 2 narcolepsy. So that's narcolepsy without cataplexy. So I won't like collapse randomly or anything like that. Um, but I do have a lot of hallucinations and, and stuff like that. Um, and I have atlas subluxation. It's a cervical spine instability and osteoarthritis, anemia. There's just, it, it goes on and on. Um, basically, yeah. I'm really tired all the time. I'm in a lot of pain. My intestines are bleeding a lot, even when I eat really healthy. And it's a constant juggling mini flare-ups throughout the day and then like big flare-ups that knock me on my, on my ass. So it was 2019 that I started like not being able to pick myself back up and I was still working on TV sets and auditioning and starting a new job. Um, so it was just a lot. And so I went through six months of testing with a neurologist to rule out a bunch of shit. They were like, yeah, well, you know, because if you have all these other illnesses, it, it is you know, it's not unheard of that MS would develop. And I was like, that's, that's pushing. I don't think I have MS and they didn't see it, but they were like, <laughs> but we have to tell you they put me through. It, it was, you guys remember how hard it was for me to get the MRIs. It took like four months to get MRIs. And yeah. I, I was getting sicker and sicker. I had to buy a cane and it was just really rough. And I was like, I can't, I, can't, I thought I was over this. Like um, the, the medical PTSD is just terrible. Mm-hmm. Makes me want to throw up. But the good thing was I was because I was able to get all those I don't know if you can hear my dad playing video games in the other room, he's yelling. <laughs> because <laughs> he's like, whoa. Because I was able to go and get all of that horrible testing done and rule that out, it cleared me for seeing a pain management specialist, which I had never seen before, even though I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia when I was what, twenty-four? how many years ago uh seven years ago so never had any doctor been like you should see you to see a pain management specialist like duh you're you have chronic pain no one ever mm. said that to me so wow. this awesome new doctor sent me to a pain management specialist and this bro he went we went over my whole history he saw all my files and he was like have you ever heard of ketamine and I was like, oh, my God, this is a ketamine clinic. <laughs> <laughs> what were your thoughts on ketamine at this point before you knew stuff? I, well, uh, I was excited. I was curious. I, okay. I was still scared because I had only had experience with uh, cannabis, which I've had some crazy trips on cannabis, mm-hmm. like accidentally eat an edible that's too big or whatever. Whoa, you know, that's intense. But um I and I had been looking into like just just for my uh, my spiritual uh, development and practice. Like I had wanted to try like ayahuasca, but like there's that that's a whole other thing. Now I'm kind of like I think I would stick with ketamine just because like I don't want to like shit my pants and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Ayahuasca <laughs> like, a lot of rejection of the body. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like I already have butt problems. I can't push it. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, so we had the whole consultation and he was like, look, I'm going to be honest with you. It's really hard to get your insurance to cover ketamine because it's still like 
a new kind of treatment. But he was like, but you have like all of these terrible diseases and you're, you're young and you should be out there living your life, but you're so sick. And so I think that we can, we're going to try. So he was basically like, don't get your hopes up, but I'm going to try for you anyway. And, And the way he had to do it was he put ketamine in the treatment together with trigger point injections, which I hate, but I was like, okay, if that's the way we have to do it, we'll do it. And then they said, yep. And they called me and they said, we're going to schedule your first uh, ketamine infusion therapy. And I was like, what What do I do? Oh my God. So I did more research just to prepare myself. And um, that was my first infusion was May 13th, 2020. And uh, they started with the trigger point injections, which is awful if you've ever had to get them, especially I had been going through a really, really bad neck uh, spine flare uh, at the are, time. Sorry, what are trigger point injections? They are, so they put, um, what do they inject? Oh, hold on, we're going to look it up. Trigger point. They put, they inject uh, stuff in your muscles. I'm sorry, I didn't research before. I forgot. It's Okay. When you have like a, a really bad trigger point with especially with fibromyalgia, like a, a knot, a really painful knot in your muscles that may be like scarred and stuff and have adhesions, they inject uh, like a steroid um, mm. to help relieve the pain um, for it's supposed to last for months. I think like over time, it's maybe not good to do a lot. So they, they try to space it out. Um, mm-hmm. I had it done before. But yeah, it's just really painful injections um, in my neck. And what stood out to me about this doctor is for the first time, like, so they had, they had the nurse there. This was right at the beginning of COVID. It's crazy. Um, the nurse ha- was spraying my neck before each injection with this numbing spray. And I was crying. And the whole time they were so apologetic and they were like, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. Like inject me. I've never had a doctor be like, you're almost done. Okay. You're, oh, you should be very proud. You're doing very well. Like the doctor was so funny while he was injecting me. So you should be very proud. Um, <laughs> so that was over with quickly. And I was, that is always hard because you're sore for a long time after, but it does mm-hmm. seem to help, um, especially if a bad flare up like that. Um, and so what they told me was it's a 40 minute infusion. And they put an IV in you and everything. It's a, They put me in a little private room by myself. They had a comfy chair, blankets. Um, they gave me a little iPad with music that I could play, like relaxing music. And uh, there's a little colorful lamp in the corner. And uh, so they said, yeah, we're going to do 40 minutes ketamine and 30 minute cool down. And then after that, they monitor, monitor you for another 30 minutes. And then they call your parent or whoever to come get you. Um, it was completely different than anything I've ever experienced before. Obviously, like I said, I only had experience with cannabis. So I, (laughs) the doctor, like he, he put his hands in prayer and he looked at me and he said, have a nice trip. And then he left, (laughs) He left (laughs) he, he left the room. And I was like, okay, bye. And they, they left the door cracked, I guess, so they could hear me and check on me. Um, so I put on the relaxing music and I was like, okay, here we go. Like, I tried to be very spiritual about it. I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to, you know, this is going to be good for me to, to get some transmissions and do some deep healing and it'll relieve my pain, blah, blah, blah. I tried to just 
not be scared about it. And after a little while, it was like relaxed, like tingly, like a sedative. I was like, okay, cool. And I started to have the double vision, like when you wake up from like surgery. Yeah. And then the nurse checked on me and I remember it being hard to talk at that point, but I wasn't like tripping yet. I was just like, hmm, wee. And then it was very, uh, the sensations were like rolling up and down, not in an intense way, but like, like you're at a spa. It was very relaxing. And then I think it was 20 minutes in that I started. It was like I was launched into space. It was just like the doorbell of the clinic rang. And I was like, whoa. Like it was so, it was just the most beautiful sound I had ever heard. And I was uh, fixated on the color changing lamp in the corner. And every time the lamp changed color, I felt strongly that I was meeting a new entity. And I was like, oh, hi. Oh, like every time the color changed. So it was a full on, it was a trip. It was like another dimension. And like I was snort laughing at one point and the nurses were like peeking in on me because I just was, I could I not stop laughing. I don't even remember what was so funny. But the thing about ketamine is it felt like I escaped being human like I escaped my my human incarnation I didn't forget who I was but it was also like I had to remember that I'm this human on this planet and this is my life story and blah 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 I was like whoa it it was almost like the consciousness of me was separated from the the conditioned human me so I was completely outside of myself and every time I remembered I had a body I would like lift my hand up and it was like rediscovering some advanced ancient technology Mm. and the thought I had was wow a real human robot the original technology I was so (laughs) amazed (laughs) I was so amazed a really cool Gundam yeah I was like whoa I can't believe there's like joints and it was it was crazy and it felt like when you have it when remember when we were little and you would get a new video game and you would open up the thing and it would have like the character bios and you would go through and learn about all the new characters like that's how it felt about myself I was like going over myself and and being amazed at this character like and I couldn't even believe I was like thinking about my my cats my kittens Ashley and Maxwell I was like whoa they have four legs and a tail and they're real, and I get to be their mom? Like, I was amazed. It was just this, this uh, feeling of, of, of uh, have you guys seen Soul? Yes. Not yet. Okay. Well, is this feeling of, of being amazed at, at what it means to be alive as a human on Earth? And all the little things that maybe I, depression made me forget about or made it hard to feel anything about suddenly I was like amazed because it was like I was a a baby uh, a baby universe being born and discovering itself for the first time um it like removed the jadedness of existence yeah it removed the the conditioning and the this is this and that is that and these are the rules and this is you know I just could look at myself and it it kind of felt like I died but not in a negative way because I knew I was like even though I was really happy there I and I wanted to stay there I would look 
almost look down at my life and myself and be like, how cool is it that I get to go back and be her? And wow. it, it, it was really, yeah, it was really out there. And, um, what did it physically feel like in your body? Tingling and weightlessness, like being in, uh, almost like being in a hot tub, very comfortable, relaxed. Um, yeah, it was just really, 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 really relaxing and, and like drunk kind of, you know, like if I tried to move my arm, I would like smack myself in the face. It was like a little, <laughs> uh, it was a little hard to move. <laughs> and you probably, but, would, yeah, like I imagine that any kind of anxiety that might have propped up, you could kind of be like, well, I'm in a facility where there's a doctor and nurses mm-hmm. and like I'm safe. That's another thing too. So the doctor warned me. He was like, "Okay, so some people do freak out because it it's it's a trip." And I was like, "It's okay. I'm prepared for this. Like I'm I'm ready." And he was like, "Okay." He's like, "Well, let me know because if like they have sedatives so that they can just walk over and and put it right in your IV if you start freaking out." So he's like, "Just don't be afraid to let us know." And so <clears throat> after he asked me, he was like, "Was it scary for you?" I said no. It was it was peaceful. It was enjoyable. It was it was like a journey, and I learned so much about myself. And he was like, "You've made me so happy today that I am tripping with you." <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> um, and I explained to him. I was like, "You know, I I have I the thing, but with me that is probably made it easier for me is because of the narcolepsy and the sleep paralysis. I have." experience with the out-of-body sensations I've had that since I was maybe like 12 and Mm -hmm. so I'm used to that and when it happens during sleep paralysis honestly at this point it's just annoying because I'm like I don't feel like hallucinating right now please I don't feel (laughs) it and then I wake up feeling hungover but this was completely different it I felt that out-of-bodiness but it wasn't like like I was being dragged there against my will by by a demon which is how sleep paralysis feels yeah yeah Um, and how do you feel afterwards so um typically with these infusions they usually start like for a normal case because i had my insurance situation they did it differently with me so normally you're supposed to start with two infusions a week for three weeks and then you do like once every few weeks or once a month and that would give you like the that those kinds of results but for me um I was still my neck was still in a lot of pain just because I was having that flare-up but um I think it was I uh it was 12 days after that first infusion that Mm. something changed like I I woke up and I still had pain and I was like okay it's just normal and then I went through my whole routine, pain management, resting, and then I was like, okay, it's time to play video games and just relax. And suddenly, my pain level was so low that I could sit up and play video games. And I usually can't do that for long because my spine, and I, I have like a reclining chair here on the floor. So when I play video games, I'm usually reclined, and I have like a, a trigger point ball on my neck because it, it triggers spasms when I have to like use my arms in that position but I was able to play games for three hours straight and I hadn't done that in forever I cannot sit up for three hours straight especially amazing yeah so like it's usually like 
because I used to do live stream every once in a while and I would have to take breaks and get my ice packs, get my heating pads, get more drugs and rest. And it's just a hassle because then the pain makes me foggy and I can't concentrate on the game. And like, it was so strange to suddenly not have pain, but not have it like, cause I've had, I've been on like tramadol before and I was like, wow, I don't have pain today. But then like, that doesn't last long. And then it makes me feel sick in other ways. Yeah. And, um, this, yeah. So like then the second infusion, it hit with, within 10 minutes, I was so fucked up. I, that it was so different too. So like the first one felt like an introduction, like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is what this is. This is, this is a different perspective on your life new. I was like, okay. And so I just had to surrender to it. But then the second time it just shot me out of the matrix and I didn't laugh. I didn't giggle a whole lot. Like the first time it was like work. It was like, okay, time to get stuff done. And this was right when the, uh, the protests started last summer. And right. I remember I was so distraught and I was just, my heart was hurting and, and it was like, I was pulled out of this dimension into a control room that was like spinning through space. And I could sense the presence of like a team. I couldn't see them or hear them, but it was like, I was translating um, music into a human language that I could feel and understand from them. So it, it felt like, a thousand conversations at once from different perspectives and I had to keep remembering to breathe and then being and then getting distracted that like breathing was such a a crazy thing for a for a a biological life form to be able to do breathing is just it was so overwhelming I was like whoa I can't believe that this works and so in this control room it was like different programs different lives and these were all um, people who had died really in terrible ways and it was it was about the protests and it was it was so much pain but it was also so much love because it was like there's a reason that you feel the pain you feel the pain because you have love for human life and you value human life and this is why this is important to you and this is why this is important to all these people you are feeling with them and it was like it was almost it's like it's this weird kind of detachment but not like in a cold way it was like I didn't feel any sort of like terror at the thought that my time here is temporary it felt like a class. Like when you graduate a class, it's like, obviously, you know, class is going to end. You're going to graduate. You're going to move on. And you might be a little sad about it to say goodbye to those memories, but it's not like, Oh no, my life, you know, it's just a class. So that's what it felt like human life was. I was like, okay, it's a class. So that was the perspective that I got from that second infusion. And every time I opened my eyes, it was like, I had a VR helmet on. It was, it was crazy. It sounds almost like a uh, like a flooding of empathy, but without any of the like extra baggage that comes from knowledge of the world. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a hopelessness. It was like a you know, because you know we hurt because we other people are hurting, and and it's overwhelming when you feel like you can't help. Um, so and I have a the, question this, for you. Yes. Um, Sorry to interrupt. I, so just so yeah. the audience knows, we're in three different households right now. So sometimes I think um, our time's a little off. So if I interrupt, mm-hmm. I do apologize. But 
Um, oh no, did I forget the, the question? <laughs> um, you. So, as somebody who's depressed, you when you hear about people like going in and doing, for example, let's say like shrooms or acid, they say like mm-hmm. don't go into doing that if you're in a bad headspace. Do you feel like ketamine takes you? out of that headspace and it's okay if you're depressed or sad or being really negative because it's not going to give you a bad trip? Mm, I think it depends on the person because like even though I get to really bad negative places like I do have because I do have um, a, a practice that would give me kind of a cushion in in a trip kind of situation I think it was okay for me but I think other people it might it might be a little much so that they do say like, like it's because they interview you pretty intensely before ketamine. I think if you were in a really, really bad depressive relapse, there would be like, let's hold off maybe and wait until um, we can get this under control for you mm. and, and just make it a more comfortable experience. I'm not mm. sure from, I mean, I've watched so many vlogs about it too. And some, some people did say that like, I mean, it just depends. It depends on, on you Some it's the cave the from time. empire strikes back you, mm. you, what are you facing there <laughs> only what you take with you exactly exactly worst <laughs> yeah and this second time so what i did hear a lot is that people had nausea and the first time i didn't have any but the second time i did because i had breakfast before uh, and i was dying after so my dad ran and got me some some taco bell and and uh, that helped mm. um, um <laughs> Cure for nausea. Not usually the nausea. first thing I think of. <laughs> so when you I, went I mean, to get ketamine, yeah. were you getting it more for the pain management or were you getting it more for depression or both? I think pain was my main focus at that point because it was just – I had that flare-up was just not quitting and I just couldn't do anything. And it's just – I get this terrible spasm in my whole body and that's why I'm always on the floor I have to like work on it but yeah the pain was was the main thing and the the help that it gave me with my depression was a bonus um mm-hmm. for sure but it it definitely gave and it's also like my pain makes my depression worse like if I'm if yeah. I'm in so much pain that I can't do stuff and I'm bored or I'm being hassled about money or I'm scared about whatever you know problems it brings up that's going to make me feel more uh, that's going to make me feel less able to cope because I'm already in pain and I can't you know, because there have been times when I've had, there have also been times when I've had a complete terrible depressive relapse, but I haven't been in that much pain, but I've felt ter- like I'm dead, like a dead, like I'm just a dead zombie and I, I'm that depressed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes, I mean, the mind and body connection is <laughs> something that often gets overlooked a lot when it comes to, you know, mental health and whatnot. So it's, it, it is something that, it makes a lot of sense to think that given your chronic pain, the idea of something that adjusts that ultimately will have a positive influence on your mental health. That's that makes complete total sense. Yeah. It's a, it's all one package, you know, you have to, Mm -hmm. you have to treat it like a whole picture instead of patching up little corners. It's, it's a whole thing. And yeah, after the second infusion, it also took about 10, 12 days for me to feel the overall pain relief. Like, I guess it has to build up in you. Um, but I remember after that time, I worked four days in a row. Mm-hmm. 
I think. Yeah, I worked like four days in a row and it was so easy to manage my my spinal pain, my everything, all my symptoms. Um, like I still had pain, but it just was so low compared to where I'm at. Like I'm usually in so much pain like day to day that like I there are points throughout the day where I have to stop doing what I'm doing because I just can't like I can't think. And uh, I'm, I'm so used to pushing through it that I'll be like working on something and I'm struggling and I'm like, why is this sucking? And I realize, oh, my God, I'm in pain. I shouldn't be working in pain. Yeah. So. Yeah. So who uh, would you say like if we if our listeners and they're like, well, I'm curious about it. Who do you think is a good contender for ketamine treatment? Mm, honestly, I don't know. I mean, it, it might might be something that you just have to talk with your doctor about and see what they think. And if you, I mean, for me, I knew it was the right thing for me. I knew, I knew it wasn't yeah. going to, I wasn't going to freak out or anything or have a bad experience. Um, I do know that you have to be off antidepressants to, to do it. They won't give it to you if you're still on antidepressants. Um Yeah. Goodness so. for you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, for real, right? No, I think I, I still don't think I qualify considering I'm also on ADHD medication. But mm-hmm. um, one of the things that, you know, uh, the, the main issue that doctors are facing right now with ketamine as a treatment is that one, the FDA has not approved it for use yet. So, mm-hmm. you know, as as far as Americans are concerned. Our healthcare system sucks ass anyway, so let's elaborate. (laughs) Um, The other thing is a lot of the, as far as for working on depression, there's studies being done and there's theories as to why ketamine helps with depression. One of which being that it uh, prompts regrowing connections between brain cells that are involved in mood. Uh, and that the effect's profound, and that it works way more rapidly. Because obviously, if you are if you are taking a drug that is influencing your physical brain, like that's going to be the big that's going to be the big winner right there. Uh, ketamine taken intravenously might be the most important breakthrough in antidepressant treatment in decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, there are other psychedelics that have been equally studied. Mm-hmm. Uh, psilocybin, uh, so magic mushrooms and whatnot. Yes. Uh, but the harder thing about it is the fact that ketamine is closer to PCP than it is to shrooms. <laughs> so as a result, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be the hardest hard part. Sell, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah unfortunately. Well, we shall see the future of ketamine, and I'm curious to see if once you're able to go back and possibly get more treatments, what an update from you will be from then. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. I Well, I you know, it's I, funny. The thing about the brain connections, it, it explains the, the trip and the hallucinations. And mm-hmm. I remember that – so the third infusion, that was the last one that I had, I had uh, all of these – messages come to me and this one this one wasn't like the control room this time it was literally I swear to you it was like a three-headed lion that it was like a a snake eating its tail but instead it was a three-headed lion and 
I it was like golden and glowing and all the message messages I got was like I don't know why we make up all these fake ass problems in the world the paradise is ours if we will only accept it bodies are not what shame is for the body is made of love this whole system's gotta go I am alive there's a lot of work to do on earth being human is a challenge there are constructs that we make up that hold us back identity is a hoax and we have to give up the ghost and this is the root of so much trauma in the world is just bullshit. And the rewiring helped me to see that and to see myself free from those uh, uh, rules and, and labels and things that are probably this, you know, my childhood trauma, like the source of a lot of my depression and the source of the way that I talk to myself in my head is from my, you know, mean friends and, and uh, family members and all that kind of, you know, when you're haggled and messed with every day about about your appearance and things about you, you get fucked up about it. And so of course. It, mm-hmm. it was it was like sure. ketamine, like grabbed that and pulled it apart and was like, no, like this is not you. These are <laughs> things that people said about you. That's not you, though. Yeah. And I did do shrooms. Um, yes. So <laughs> unexpected. Well, not on un- I knew what was then, but like, I I was like, Dad, what is this pink lemonade in the fridge? Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, Oh, uh, <laughs> it's from your mom. It's shrooms. Like what? What? <laughs> so I did my research because I was like, Okay, this I know this is gonna be way different than than ketamine, and I was like, I don't know how I will take it. So I did my research and I waited a while and then I finally was like, okay, I'm going to microdose. That'll be fine. I was going through some depression anyway. I was like, okay, cool. Teeny tiny sip. Tiny little bitty sip. Oh my God. I was couch locked the rest of the night. And my dad my dad checked on me. He was like, is it too much? Are you okay? And I was like, what? <laughs> but No, it's good. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because the shrooms felt similar to cannabis to me in my body and in my brain it was the same kind of sensations it just felt like I had like vaped way too much and um the shrooms also gave me a really strong um it gave me a a higher baseline above those above my usual like you know seeing myself as having no value and all these mean things that I think about myself that again like the ketamine gave me a huge um uh piggyback up above those thoughts and so I had a great positive baseline and I felt great and so that's I'm like okay well obviously these two things both really work for some people yeah but but every time I call my doctor about hey I need more I need more sedatives I can freaking out they're like no you need to go back on antidepressants and I ooh, I yelled at that late girl on the phone I was like I've been on four different kinds of antidepressants. Like, they obviously don't work for me. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's going to be the next conversation I get to have with whoever my next psychiatrist is, is I get to sit there and just go, so SSRIs don't work. SNRIs don't work. Uh, well, Butrin didn't work. Uh, what's next, babe? So... <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, I mean, a, there should be a good ugh. study on this if I, cause we know for a fact that many people do need antidepressants. It makes their life better. 
they are able to function and have a full, lovely life. And it, I mean, it really works for them, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder if there's uh, been studies on like personality types that it works for and those that it doesn't. I wonder if there's been studies yeah. on that kind of stuff, because from what I've heard in my very small corner of the world is the friends that I have had that have had depression that were artistic uh, creative types and they went on to, I mean, it completely changed their personalities. Yes. I think there are times in your life, regardless of what personality type you need to be on antidepressants. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's always a lesson to learn about yourself and everything. But I noticed that a lot of creativity goes away when you're on antidepressants. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're seeing everything through a muffled lens. And with Chris, like it was interesting that you're like, just your verbiage, you're writing and you're writing. Chris is somebody who can write so well and so eloquently and so verbosely. <laughs> and it was just like, not that anymore. And and obviously just verbal as well. But, you know, and it was like, I, I experienced that as well. And I think, Hollow, did you experience the same thing? When I was put on antidepressants four different times, every time it honestly just made me dissociate so bad that I I couldn't I couldn't make any art I couldn't do anything I couldn't feel I I did not feel alive and I that those were um, it made me really suicidal too so yeah it was just a bad reaction immediately like I was yeah. and they were like you gotta you gotta stick with it and take it it takes no, a couple weeks don't. to kick in and I was like but I'm dying I feel like I'm dying <laughs> it was yeah. bad for me and see mine mine is nowhere near as like obtuse it's not like immediately like oh i want to fucking die Mm -hmm. it's more of just at first it feels like oh this is a positive i don't feel like i don't feel like shit anymore but then that not feeling like shit turns into the status quo where i'm like yeah i don't feel like shit but i don't feel like anything yeah i don't feel like existing right now so i'm just gonna not Mm -hmm. yeah disassociation name of the game yeah totally i I often i wonder if i wouldn't because my for me i thought like maybe i'm just too fragile because i have all of these different health problems together and so a drug like that is just too much for me because i just don't respond well to most like pills anyway um i mostly i take supplements i really don't take any the only if i had (laughs) this is where i would put my xanax if i had any it's that situation you know xanax is great for me for my for my uh, flare-ups and panic attacks and vomiting cycles but the antidepressants fucks me up and any other kind of medication I've taken for my colitis you know I've taken all kinds of steroids and I took mm-hmm. uh, um, what did they they gave me something crazy for my narcolepsy at first uh, didn't they give you stimulants yeah they gave me fucking stimulants <laughs> why yeah. would you do that I was like 98 pounds and like you're fine you're fine I was like are you sure this is you're- safe yeah have some meth it fucked me up it was i couldn't eat i was shaking so hard i couldn't eat for two Mm -hmm. weeks on the on the stimulants and that is when i decided to um talk to the pot doctor because i had heard i had read that weed uh was really successful with narcolepsy and that's what that's Mm -hmm. what started me on that journey because i'd never tried cannabis before and it yeah I, i said it on the other episodes it made gigantic ginormous difference with my narcolepsy for sure yeah well i think the the moral of the story for this episode is know yourself before Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. start you know as much as you can 
before you start to experiment on what's going to work for you and and your depression. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think also one of the big things to take away is, unfortunately, uh, with ketamine, I can at least say that it is not available damn near anywhere. Um, in just looking up like where you can get ketamine treatments done for the most part, we happen to be very fortunate to be in Southern California as it is one of the few places that is actively trying it. So, uh, hope for the future, but for the time being, if you are on antidepressants and they are not working for you or you feel adverse effects, or if you're in chronic pain and they're not taking you seriously uh first off rip your doctor a new butthole Mm -hmm. brand new one make sure they have at least three by the time you're done with them and then once you've done ripping those buttholes then talk to your insurance rip them some new buttholes and then you might be able to get something that helps you gross it takes so much work you got to stand up for yourself and it's like yeah I have such a like in person, especially I I have a hard time getting doctors to listen to me. And Mm -hmm. and over the past like four years is when I really started like, like I would write a letter, I would write pages of notes for the doctor to for them to put in my file and for me to make them sit down and listen to one time I yelled at my primary, I was like, No, listen to this shit. And I had made her listen. And that was when I finally got my uh, handicapped parking placard. I made her fucking listen. I was like, I've been doing this for six years. I'm struggling. You guys have watched me deteriorate. And you keep you keep taking my blood and telling me, congratulations. You're in perfect health. You're a little anemic today. But otherwise, you're healthy. You should be happy. While, I'm, while I can't fucking drive down the street to... to go to the store without having a fucking flare up the rest of the week like hello they just put their blinders on and sometimes you um, all all the time you should be standing up for yourself and it's easier said than done but it's worth it thank you so much (laughs) for coming on again and talking about your experiences because these are wild these Mm -hmm. are these are going to be like it's going to be amazing to see If you can get a full, like the full treatment mm-hmm. and see where that takes you, my God. I would be a fucking rock star if I could get it twice a week. I would, I just imagine like, wow, I wouldn't have to like only work one day a week because I'm in too much pain or, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I wouldn't have to chip away at my projects every morning before I'm too dizzy to keep sitting at my desk. Like I get... I I'm 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 and I'm too hard on myself. I I get a lot done anyway, but I it's not enough for me. So yeah, <laughs> the standards we hold ourselves to. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you this to has our been an yeah. that that got to yes. play with us today. We we had our first uh, Discord hangout today, and um, we played some games, and it was really fun. Yes, I died twice. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I, I got killed by two different ghosts in phas, uh, phasmophobia. I I yes. think that is actually what it's called. Yes. I keep wanting to call it phantasmagoria and Same. like phasmophobia. Yeah. Oh, it's impossible. That's a different <laughs> game. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thank you to our Patreon you. subscribers. You are all amazing. Uh, 
follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook at Hey Who Podcast. Uh, go ahead, check out that Patreon. We're actually doing stuff with it. It's going to be dope as hell coming up. Uh, make sure you smash that like button. No. Uh, no. <laughs> gentle, gentle pressing. But gentle, gentle, gentle fondling of the like button. Yeah. Okay, great, guys. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next time. As always. <laughs> Don't, Don't tell, tell us to just, just get, get over it. it.